When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Our websites are Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com. And we've noticed such changes and patterns of what people are interested in and clicking on at Clark Deals. And the way people shop has been changing so significantly, so much so that an earthquake has just happened in retail. Something that we talked about actually on our show in October of last year, completely disconnected from our coronavirus year, and it was that Black Friday which had been like the most significant shopping day of the year, that Black Friday had become a state of mind and not an actual event anymore. And now Walmart has proven that to be true because Walmart is going to be closed on Thanksgiving. This is a stunner because starting about a decade ago, Black Friday really became a Thanksgiving event as retailers either were open all day on Thanksgiving or very heavily opened at 4, 6, or 8 p.m. And so all the big box stores sold massive amounts of deals on Thanksgiving Day. And then Friday, Black Friday, became fairly quiet in retail. Well, now... Because the way people shop for for Christmas shopping had changed so much. And it was so clear last year that what I called Black Friday month, the entire month of Thanksgiving, retail is now recognizing the reality. So Thanksgiving, let's hope we have football. You have no reason and excuse to escape from your family this year, to say, oh, I got to go to the sales. I got to leave the house. Because a lot of people, you know, get a little worn out with that family togetherness by Thanksgiving afternoon. And you've now lost that ability to say, oh, these deals, I got them all stacked up. I got to go. Because as Walmart goes, so does the rest of retail is the world's dominant retailer. And so this Christmas shopping season coming up is because of coronavirus already it was going to be more online. The trend was to a significant increase year by year in online shopping. But before coronavirus, online shopping was still somewhere, depending on how you calculated it, between 9 and 12% of retail. I don't even know if we have clear numbers yet 
on the increase in online shopping, but obviously it's been very significant. And so having the stores open, crazy hours and all night, Thanksgiving night and all that, that is a look into the past, not what our future is. And so your ability to get deals is going to be more spread out. The difficulty of getting through checkout lines and all that, that's so over. And so this is, in my mind, a real improvement in how Christmas shopping is going to be this Christmas season. And quietly, the announcements will come from other retailers probably in the early fall and how much they will have modified how they handle the Christmas shopping season and what I now call Black Friday month, November. It's time for your questions that you posted at Clark.com slash ask. Producers Kim and Joel alternate with your questions. And Kim, you are first. All right. This is from Robert in Pennsylvania. And Robert says, Clark, would you recommend selling a home without a real estate agent in order to save money? So doing a FISBO for sale by owner is not for the faint of heart. And you should consider, if you do a FISBO, that you offer agent protection for an agent who brings you a buyer. Otherwise, you'll be a victim of steering, where they either will not show your home, or if they're driving down the street and the buyer in the vehicle with them says, well, what about that house? And they'll say, oh, no, that house has all kinds of problems. You know, the foundation's not good, or it floods, or it always has a doom and gloom cloud over it, whatever. You you need agents as your ally, not your enemy. So if you do a FISBO, you want to protect someone who brings you a buyer with a commission of 2 to 3%. So you're not going to get all the savings from what's the typical commission that's now about 5.8%, I think, down from 7 several years ago. And you also have to have the, the mindset and mentality of being a merchant, that as somebody comes into your home to view it, and they start making comments about your terrible decorating taste or how did they ever pick that paint color or whatever, uh, somebody coming in for a showing quickly forgets that you are the seller himself or herself. So that's why you have to have ice water in your veins in the process. If you do successfully transit a FISBO, I recommend that you engage a real estate attorney to properly draw up the sales contract and to handle representing you in the deal. That's going to cost you little money versus the many, many, many thousands you save in commission. And be realistic about the price you list for your home and never, ever be offended when somebody tries to lowball you, which they often do with the FISBO, just like, um, like any business person, just counter non-emotionally at what a real counter would be that you would be willing to accept. Joel? 
Clark Lynn in Wisconsin says, I have a small business. I was able to get a small PPP loan and the business is now open. But then I was exposed to COVID and I had to shut down for two weeks. So can I claim unemployment and not risk getting that PPP loan uh, taken away? So we don't know the rules yet for PPP loan forgiveness. Um, The SBA is not accepting applications for forgiveness yet on their portal. It has been heavily delayed. And obviously there's been great confusion plus two different systems to ask for loan forgiveness. If your loan clock has run more than 60 days and you're willing to stick with the original 60-day loan forgiveness period and you're outside that and you haven't been able to work, then you can both do the PPP loan forgiveness process and potentially receive additional compensation that's available to you now that you can't work. And I want to tell you, I hope you have a complete and total and painless recovery. On the issue of um, taking the PPP loan forgiveness on the longer schedule, the roughly 180-day forgiveness schedule, because the rules are not clear yet, I can't tell you if you took the 180-day if it would still be okay for you to take other compensation that's available because you're now incapacitated. There are just too many question marks about that. Kim? Brent in North Carolina says, are hotel gift cards a good choice if they are on sale? A major chain right now is offering 15% off gift cards. Should I stock up or should I stick to paying with my credit card? (laughs) So I've always said, that the one time that gift cards are a good deal is when you're buying them at a significant discount from face. You know, if a restaurant's offering you a 20% discount uh, by buying the gift card where they give you $100 of food for 80 or whatever, something like that, or 125 for 100 that kind of stuff. But with hotels, with so many of them facing these incredibly low occupancy rates, it's almost like buying a speculative investment right now, taking that 15% discount gift card. And so if it were me, I wouldn't do it because there's just too much doubt about who's still going to be standing when this is all over. And so I can't believe I'm telling you to pass up a sure thing discount, but it's only a sure thing discount if the money's ultimately honored from that card. Joel? Clark Sharon in North Carolina says, is there any way to redeem my Costco rewards money without physically going into the store uh, during a pandemic? Oh, no. No, this this is something I'm having to deal with because we don't go in stores. And so the only procedure, you can't use the money at Costco.com. There is no pandemic-related procedure that Costco has implemented that allows people to cash those checks other than in person. So what I recommend, and by the way, you're the third person to ask me this question, the first one on the show, is that you on a weeknight evening, 
uh, typically on a Tuesday or Wednesday, maybe even Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday evening, when Costco's crowds are usually much more thin, that you go in in the evening and just make your way at, after you get through the door to the podium to cash your check. And that would be the safest way to deal with what could be an unsafe situation. And if you really want to be as safe as possible in the store, do what I do whenever I have to go into any situation that has me at all worried. I wear a mask and a shield. The shield provides two-way protection. The mask protects others from you. And Costco requires 100% compliance by staff and members to wear masks at all times in the store. So uh, it's a hazard, but I think it's of calculated risk, a very low one compared to other situations you could find yourself in. Kim? Vaughn in Georgia says, Hello, Clark. I am thinking of doing some day trading, and I need advice on where to get started. Uh, I don't even know exactly how to answer that because I'm so anti-day trading. I, um, I, I'll tell you the reason I don't like it is there are tax issues involved with day trading, and there's a lot of risk financially getting involved with day trading. It is a form, truly a form of gambling. And there are people who really believe they've come up with the right way to win at the game, but I think it's playing with fire. If you still want to do it, a huge number of people are now doing it using Robinhood as a free way to continually rapidly trade. But there are special systems for people who want to do this full time that get you what's known as better trade execution. And I don't even want to get into all of that. Elaine is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Elaine. How are you doing? Hello, Clark. I'm good. And you? Great. Thank you. You just bought a home back in the spring. Do you like it? Yes. I love it. I love it. On May twenty first, exactly. It'll be two months tomorrow. Wow. Well, I'm so glad that you are enjoying that home. Thank you. How can I be of service with it? Well, with the interest rate at an all time low, so I've heard on the television, I was wondering if if it would benefit me to try to refinance to get a lower interest rate at this time. I'm currently at a three and a quarter percent interest rate with a VA loan, and I heard that the rates are as low as two and a half now. Two and a half, maybe on a 15-year loan, about three um, percent on a 30-year loan, and you may not have room to maneuver. You're already at an incredibly low rate at three and a quarter, and. By the way, I would be negligent if I didn't thank you for your service to our country. Thank you. Which, which branch did you serve in, or do you serve in? The Army. The Army. And what's been yeah. your favorite duty station? Fort Leonard, Missouri. All right. 
Well, I thank you very, very much for being there for our freedom. Now, with a, with a VA loan, it's a lot easier to do a refi than it is with other loan products. And I will tell you that if there is headroom where you would be able to get a rate lower than the three and a quarter that you have, usually people in VA loans will start receiving mailers saying they're offering no-cost refis at blah, blah, blah percent. But I'll be surprised if you really see any of those offers because your three okay. and a quarter is so outstanding that there's at most maybe a quarter point lower that you would get. And you're okay. not likely to find that that's going to be worth the process. So I would be really, really thrilled that you have a rate that's so screaming low that a lot of people are green with envy and just continue to enjoy <laughs> that house until and unless you get a mailer saying, good news, VA refis available at no cost right now at blah, blah, blah percent. If blah, blah, blah is 3% or lower and it really truly is no cost, grab it. And again, thank you so much for your service. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you have. Our websites are clark.com and clarkdeals.com. And I have a college junior daughter whose college announced the day before she went back to, uh, she goes to a school in Los Angeles, day before she went back, announced that classes for the fall till further notice are going to be online only and this was obviously a disappointment and at the same time my daughter Steffi told me it was relief because she doesn't have to worry as much about getting coronavirus or unknowingly making somebody else sick with coronavirus but the experience she had in the spring of being online was underwhelming you know she goes to a fantastic small liberal arts college called occidental college and a lot of her classes are eight or ten students i think the biggest she's had in her first two years of college was 16 students intensely personal and interactive and involved and so then Suddenly, in March, they switched this online, and that whole education experience completely changed. And this summer, she did summer school at a state university and loved the experience. The tuition was like nothing. And in her mind, it's like, why would I, I go back and pay this huge amount of money for classes online, which is not why I'm going to Occidental. Well, this is the story being repeated by parents and students who are going to private colleges all over America. So the colleges, one by one, are starting to respond with significant tuition reductions for the fall semester or more modest ones. 
But the idea of offering a tuition reduction because the experience is not the same is spreading. The hard part is a lot of these liberal arts colleges don't have a good cushion to fall back on. And giving up a significant portion of what the fall tuition was going to be can be really harmful to the college's well-being. And then the dorms closing, those buildings are there, they have the costs of them, and now they have no revenue from those buildings. So it's a real crunch time for parents, for the students at private universities, and for those colleges and universities themselves. And so it is going to be a tough decision, and a lot of students if the learning's online, they're either not going to go. And I read a letter from Steffi's university president um, giving all the reasons why students should come back. And I could tell it was because of the worry about how many people are going to check out of the building. Just say, forget it. I'm not going back now. The danger when people don't go back is that they never go back. They never finish their degree. So the alternative is if you don't want to pay those big dollars, look at how many credits till this is over and hopefully the spring semesters will happen as normal, hopefully, that see if your son or daughter can take the fall semester at a low-cost local state university with their online classes and transfer the credits over at what would be an enormous savings versus what the private university would be. Uh, we have made a decision for continuity as a family that our daughter is going to continue to do the online for this semester at her university. It's a great university and I have the privilege of being able to afford it even though uh, obviously we're not getting the value that we're paying for even at the reduced tuition. But this is a conversation that's going to happen in millions of families over the next few weeks. It's time for your questions you posted for me at clark.com slash ask. And producers Kim and Joel alternate. Who's up? Clark, Don's question is up first. And she says, what should I do if I was furloughed due to covid my employer ended up receiving PPP funds back in April, but I have yet to be brought back. So here's how it works. Your employer has to maintain a rough equivalent of payroll, more or less, in order to have full loan forgiveness. The rules were changed in the most recent coronavirus statute that made the forgiveness of PPP loans more favorable to the business owner and unfortunately less favorable to workers. So your employer was not required to bring you back when receiving a PPP loan, but not bringing you back and potentially other people back may have hurt their ratios and reduces the amount of loan forgiveness that that employer will see. The purpose and intent of the original PPP statute was that employers would keep 100% of their workers more or less on the payroll. And 
that was something a lot of employers did not find in their environment to be something they could do or was realistic with the level of business they had. And so even though that was the initial hope for PPP, many others have found themselves in the same situation as you, Dawn, where they have not come back into the workplace and the employer was only strongly encouraged by the legislation to do so, they were not required to do, I'm sorry to say. Kim? Rachel in California says, we're preparing to retire, but with the uncertainty in the economy, we're starting to have reservations. We recently heard that there might be another stimulus package on the way, and it got us thinking about where the government is getting all this money. Do you have any idea if the government is borrowing money, aka bonds, or printing money? Here's my thought. If they are printing money, then very soon we'll see very high inflation. And in that case, I probably need to postpone retirement. But if the government is borrowing money, then I don't think we'll have an effect on our retirement because we'll be in a lower tax bracket. What do you think? So uh, the government is borrowing money, which is in an indirect way printing money, but they're not doing anything like, if you know your history, the Weimar Republic in Germany that ended up printing so much money that people needed a wheelbarrow to simply buy a loaf of bread. Nothing like that is in the cards in the United States. But I don't want to belittle the economic pressure we're going to feel as a country with the massive deficits we are going to have. You know, $3 trillion so far just from coronavirus in a matter of months. And the next coronavirus statute, which is baking right now in the oven in Washington, uh, and uh, who knows what is going to come out of the oven looking like, but the cost is likely to be somewhere between, uh, based on what I'm reading, $1.3 trillion and $2.2 trillion in additional spending. So then we're at uh, 4 to $5 trillion that we will have spent that's money that we don't have and we're having to borrow. So there are consequences to this that will play out over time, but there's nothing I see that leads to uh, a collapse of the value of the dollar, a collapse of the economy because of these deficits. These deficits are classic uh, counter-cyclical economics that we are creating deficits now to try to prevent another Great Depression. And I don't think, even though it increases risk to the nation, I don't think this is going to be a reason for you to delay the retirement that you have prepared for, funded for, and have looked forward to. Joel? Clark Daniel in Utah says, if I pay monthly house payments in two installments, equaling the same amount as my monthly payment due, will I end up paying off my loan faster? You will not. So the strategy you're talking about works with credit cards and some other loans, even in many cases with vehicle loans, because the interest is figured as a simple interest with a daily interest uh, charge. But a mortgage is calculated completely differently in the United States. And we're one of the few countries that do this where the mortgage interest is calculated on a monthly basis. So you will not in any way 
pay off your loan quicker by sending half a payment twice a month. So that will not work. What you could do, though, if your goal is specifically to pay off your mortgage quicker, is each month when you send in your payment, pay a little extra on the additional principal payment section, and you will potentially cut months or years off your loan. Kim? Marion in South Carolina says, older people need a simple-to-use streaming device. Which do you think is the easiest? I have such a bias towards Roku. Roku is ultra, ultra easy to use, and you don't even need an instruction book with it. You hook it up. The only instructions will come on the screen when it powers up. It'll walk you through connecting it one time to your internet connection, to your Wi-Fi. There will be one-time setups for the various streaming services that you may subscribe to. So the first time, the first 20 minutes of having a Roku is a little bit of a hurdle to cross. After that, it is easy, easy, easy. And Roku's range from being ultra cheap to you can run it all the way up to like $100 for a Roku device. Joel? Clark Kevin in New York says, I just bought a brand new pickup truck and I financed it for 84 months. <gasps> right? The lender is offering me rather inexpensive gap insurance. I'm an average driver with no particular risk to my vehicle. Is gap insurance a good idea? With an 84-month loan, you should look at gap insurance and shop it as well. Um, people should shop gap insurance with their own insurer, with the lender, with a variety of parties to see what the gap does is when you have a seven-year loan you're continually going to be upside down in that loan where the vehicle will be worth substantially less than the loan and so it if you take out a long loan like that having gap insurance is really a good idea kevin is with us on the clark howard show and kevin you're a teenager on the go yeah, I'm 17 years old and started a seasonal business while working another job. Uh, I have about 8000 a month in profit I would like to invest. Uh, would it be a good okay, idea? Okay, wait, 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 wait. Did you just say you're making a net profit of like hundred k a year on an annual basis? Yeah, just about. Do you know that's unbelievable, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty proud of that. And you are completely self-employed, no employees? I have three employees. You have three employees at 17 years old? Yep, and I still work a different job as well. So your three employees, are you paying them independent contractor or are you paying them W-2, holding back taxes In and things like that? Independent contractor. All right, so that makes you self-employed and makes it possible for you to look at a couple of places you could stash cash, if that's what you're interested in. Yeah, I have a uh, Roth IRA and a uh, target retirement fund. I was wondering if I should invest some of this profit in stocks or something else. So what I would recommend 
is that you look at doing a SEP, an SEP. You ever heard me mention a SEP? Yes, I have. So a self-employed pension is ultra easy to set up, a simplified employee pension. All the low-cost companies offer SEPs, and they allow you to shelter an enormous amount of the profit that you're getting from this business. And so you would uh, have money that at 17 years old, you put aside, it will, if you're going to go to college, it will reduce the amount of exposure you would find reducing the amount of financial aid you could qualify for because you got so much money. It goes into retirement and then is no longer factored in in terms of whatever assistance or financial aid you'd be eligible for as a college student. Um, In addition, you're able to get, uh, if you take a normal retirement route, almost 50 years of compounded growth with the money sheltered in a SEP. Now, there is another thing you can do as an alternative, and all these are available from the low-cost companies on my investment guide at Clark.com. You could also set up what's known as a self-employed or solo 401k. The self-employed or solo 401k requires a little more paperwork than the SEP, but you want to look at the features of each and see if one or the other would allow you to stash more money aside for retirement, for long-term, shelter it from tax for now, and give it a long-term to grow. It means that with the kind of money you're able to put aside, if you want to, with the money having decades to grow, you would be able potentially sometime in your 40s to bag work if you want to instead of continue to work. With a work ethic like you have, though, running your own business and having another job and going to school, I somehow doubt that you would want to bag work, but it would give you the freedom to do whatever you want to with your life and your work, probably from some point in your 40s. If you go look at the websites, the retirement centers of the low-cost firms, the three bigs are Vanguard, Schwab, and Fidelity, download the information from, from each of them on doing a SEP, and doing a solo or self-employed 401k, look at what's available to you with it and figure out what's going to be the best option for you going forward. And I'm so impressed with what you've already done, Kevin, and what you're going to be able to do in your future. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.